Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I Am Persuaded podcast. I'm excited for the content that we're going to study out today. We're going to be answering another question that was sent in, a question that I've actually personally been studying out uh, for the past couple of weeks and months. And when I realized the truth that I find in God's Word about this topic, I'm not going to lie to you, I was kind of shocked because my whole life I believed something that was not true about God's Word. The question is this, what exactly happens at the judgment seat of Christ? Or what exactly happens at the Bema seat of Christ? And I was studying 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17, and the Bible says this, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. And so the latter part of that verse says, Without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. And I got to thinking about the judgment of God. And every man, woman, boy, or girl, saved or unsaved, is going to stand before the judge, Jesus Christ, one day in the future. There's two different judgments, though. The Bible is very clear. There's what's called the, the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ is where all believers, those who have placed their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as Savior, where they will stand in the future once they meet death or by rapture, they'll stand before Jesus at this judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad. And so Paul's very clear in that verse, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And there he's writing to believers, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so what exactly happens at this judgment seat of Christ and what is the judgment seat of Christ? The Greek word is bimatos or bima, which literally means a raised platform or a step. And so literally what happens at the judgment seat of Christ is we're going to step up on a platform and stand before our triune God, stand before the judge as he will judge us. And so what exactly happens? And so I want to start this podcast by kind of explaining a couple of things that are not going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. Here was kind of my testimony coming into this topic. And a lot of times this happens to believers. We have what's called presuppositions when we come to the Bible. And these things are things we think to be true because we've heard them preached. We've heard them taught. We've heard them said uh, by family, maybe by pastors even. And so we believe these topics to be true. But when we study God's word for what it says, we come to find out God's word doesn't say what we believe. And that's something I had to learn, and it was very hard for me to learn. Coming into Bible college, something they told me as I started my first semester of Bible college was, you need to unlearn everything you've learned, and you need to go at God's Word with fresh eyes and clean eyes, and let God's Word speak to you as you find the truth from God's Word, and what God's Word actually says is true. And so I want to start this answering this question by telling you What does not happen at the Bema Seat of Christ? First, it is not a place where your eternal destiny is decided or finalized. It is not a place 
where your eternal destiny is decided and finalized. Very simple. We're all going to stand before God. The Bible is clear. Lost will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And all those that are saved will stand before him at the Bema seat of Christ. Now, Revelation chapter 20 depicts to us an awful event that is called the great white throne judgment. That is where lost are cast into eternal damnation. The great white throne judgment is specifically for those that have never placed their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. And so let me say this right off the right off the start here. If you're if you ever in the future find yourself at the great white throne judgment eternally, it's too late. There's no pleading your case to the judge. There's no begging him, claiming you were a good person. Let me tell you, friend, there will be people at the great white throne judgment that sat in church pews every Sunday. There will be people at the great white throne judgment that maybe even taught a Sunday school class. There will be people at the great white throne judgment that thought with all of their heart they were a Christian and they had placed their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. But at the end of the day, they had a head knowledge of him but eternally they were lost. And so the great white throne judgment is not the same as the Bema seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment is specifically for those that have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. But the other judgment, and that is the judgment that we as believers will stand before him at, that is the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And so let's make one thing very clear. The judgment seat of Christ is not the place where God is going to decide your eternal destiny. It's not an intercession or an intersection where God decides if you're saved or you're not. This place of judgment is for believers only. And so a good sign that you're saved is if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're for sure saved. So a lot of people question, well, am I saved? Am I not? And we covered that in last week's topic that a believer cannot lose their salvation. And so if you in the future find yourself at the Bema seat of Christ, you are 100% saved. There's not going to be any casting into eternal damnation at the great white throne judgment. And so a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go stand before Jesus and I'm not even going to know if I'm saved or if I'm not. And we covered last week, you can know for sure, for 100% certainty, you're saved while you're living here on earth and your salvation is never going to leave you and it's never going to go away. But standing at the beam of seat of Christ, you're a believer your eternal destiny is not going to be Jesus saying, okay, well, you might be or you might not be. No, it's you're a believer and you're here because you placed your faith and trust in me as Savior. Romans 8 chapter 1 says this, There is therefore no now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation. So at the moment you believe, your eternal destiny was sealed. So if you can take your mind back to the time and place where where you placed your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, that is the moment your eternal destiny was sealed. That is the moment you passed from death to life. That is the moment that you, you come into the presence, you come into the knowledge, you placed your faith in him, and you were gloriously saved by his grace through faith in him. And so that moment is the moment your eternal destiny was sealed. You will never have to face condemnation. I love Romans 8, chapter 1. There's there now no condemnation. So it doesn't say, well, there's no condemnation until the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't say there's no condemnation until you stand before him. No, it says there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so if there's no condemnation now, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment of our sin at the great at the judgment seat 
of Christ. Secondly, it is not a place where your etern- where your earthly sins are displayed and forgiven. It is not a place where your earthly sins are displayed and forgiven. And countless times, this is where I believed into this uh, false answer of the judgment seat of Christ. Many times I've heard people say, well, yeah, you're forgiven. Yeah, you're sin- you're, you've sinned, but you're forgiven. You're under the blood of Jesus. But there's coming a day when you're going to stand before Jesus and all of your sins will be displayed. Those things that you have hidden, those things that you did not want anyone to know about, well, at the judgment seat of Christ, they're going to be displayed and everyone's going to see what you've done. So a lot of people play this idea that there's going to be a DVD of your sins on a projector and a screen at the judgment seat of Christ so that every believer can see just how awful you were. And friends, I believed that for a long time. I believed that when I stood before Jesus, I was going to be completely humiliated because of my sin. I mean, we're, we're sinners. The Bible says we come short of the glory of God. We fall short each and every day. We miss the mark. The word sin in the Hebrew and the Greek means to miss the mark. And so every single day we miss the mark. And so I thought for the longest time, man, when I stand before Jesus, I'm going to be utterly humiliated because of all of my sin. But that's false. That's not what the Bible teaches about the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a place where your earthly sins are displayed and forgiven. You will stand at the bema seat of Christ not to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. Make sure you get that. You will stand at the bema seat of Christ not to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. Hebrews 8.12 says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteous, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Think about that. If he's promised us in his word that he's never going to remember our sins, it says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Does this mean that God forgets things? Absolutely not. But he chooses not to remember our wrongdoings. Because last week we talked about justification and glorification. And so that's where this plays in in our eternal destiny and our salvation. Once we place our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, we're justified. So the Father doesn't look at us any longer as a sinful, wicked man, but he looks at us us, as someone who has accepted the free gift of his son Jesus, has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so he says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What an amazing truth. And Micah told us that our sins would be cast into the depths of the sea. The record of your sins has been buried in the deep blue sea, and God has effectively promised that he will never bring up your sins to you. And so we've had this false um, concept of the judgment seat of Christ, that when I stand before Jesus, he's going to portray all of my sin to all the believers. That's not in the Bible. Because if he was going to bring our sins back up to us at the judgment seat of Christ, Hebrews 8.12 would not say, I'll remember your iniquities and sins no more. Michael wouldn't say, I'm going to cast your sin in the depths of the sea. That couldn't be in the Bible. Never once do you find scripture that claims that our sins are displayed at the judgment seat of Christ. So as you stand before the judge at the judgment seat of Christ, you are not having your eternity sealed. It has already been sealed. And you are not being forgiven of your sins. You are standing there because you are forgiven of your sins. Some might be asking tonight, then what is the judgment seat of Christ? Because all of my life I've thought it was, well, I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew thee, or enter into heaven. I've thought that. 
Or I thought my whole life that I was going to stand there and be judged on every sin, every lie, every wrongdoing that I ever committed. So what am I, well, what's actually going to happen? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, the verse we started off with. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. Judgeth according to every man's work. In other words, what will happen at the judgment seat of Christ is you and I are judged on our works. He will evaluate our service for him. In short, the Bema seat of Christ is a personal one-on-one encounter with the living Lord, your Redeemer. Think about that. There's coming a day when you and I, all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, we stand before our Redeemer. With the nail prints in his wrist and his feet, we stand before him glorified as he's our redeemer. He's our sacrifice. He's the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And so you're not standing before him so that he can judge your position in him. That's already determined. You're justified. He's not determining your your priorities. He's not determining your sins. But you're standing before him because, listen, you are his bride. You are his possession. You are his, uh, the thing that he longed for, the thing that he loves. You are his bride. And the question is, when you stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, what kind of bride have you been? You're there because he is your father. Now, what kind of child have you been? Holy fear, which is the, the, the concept here in First Peter, is accepting personal accountability for behaving as his child. For living as a bride, to be in light of your bridegroom, the imminent appearing and coming of the church. Peter tells us in chapter 1 that his judgment is impartial. That's what he says. He says, and if he call on the Father who without respect of persons, that says it's impartial. His courtroom is a just courtroom. There is no unfairness or injustice at the bema seat of Christ. And so he's not going to look at us and say, okay, the one that had more money, well, he gets more rewards. He gets, uh, he's not judged as hard. No, he's not. He's, he's, he's impartial. His judgment is not uh, selective as to who lived this and who did this. It's, he's judging us all on what we've done for Christ. There's no injustice. There's no unfairness at the Bema seat of Christ. His courtroom is holiness. And his judgments are right and true. Scripture gives us many different looks at this day when we stand before Christ Jesus. We get a picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 of it's a, it's a furnace. The verse says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's works abides which he hath built thereon, thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The fire that is mentioned here in this verse is reference to God's deity and Jesus' deity. Our God in Hebrews chapter 12, it teaches us that it is a, our God is a consuming fire. Fire is a reference to the holiness and righteousness of God. This verse teaches us that there will be those that stand before God who have nothing left but it will, because it will be all burned up because it is not holy. 
And so there will be some that are saved that literally, we've heard this expression, get in by the skin of their teeth. Or they're saved by the skin of their teeth, so to speak, because they did not do works for Christ while they were here on earth. They did not uh, work for Jesus. In other words, they lived their life to what they wanted to and what they wanted to do, but they never were sold out, committed to Jesus, but they were saved. And so that verse teaches us that those that stand before, some, some will stand before Jesus having nothing left because it's all burned up because it's not holy. All that we'll have left is their salvation. You cannot forfeit your salvation as we looked at last week. That is eternally secure. But you can forfeit your reward because of disobedience. The encouragement here is simple. You will stand before God one day, but what have you built your life with? You'll stand before Jesus, not getting your eternal destiny sealed or determined, but you're going to stand before Jesus And the question that's going to be posed to you is, what did you do with the life that I gave you? We must use the right materials. We must be full of godly intentions, godly motives, Christ-honoring desires to glorify him even in the mundane things of life. This part of our judgment becomes very practical to us. This can be as simple as washing dishes, cutting the grass, setting up chairs, serving others, praying, cleaning up after someone else, obeying your parents, and the list could go on and on and on. But what's clear is when we stand before Jesus, our works, as we step up on that platform, our works that we have done for Christ, what have we lived for? What have we strived to become? What have we strived to do? That's what's going to be in question at the judgment seat of Christ. We get another look at what the judgment seat of Christ will be. Paul describes this event as an award ceremony. When we when we first hear the word Bema, we get the, the insight of the Olympics. We think of as someone who has ran the fastest mile or someone who has uh, earning a gold medal at the Olympics. What do they do? They stand up on this platform and there they are awarded this medal or this trophy for their accomplishment. Those who stand upon a raised platform and receive trophies and medals for all that they have accomplished. That's the image we get of the Bema Seat of Christ. Paul writes in 2 Timothy in his farewell speech that he has rewards and crowns that are laid up before him that his judge will give him on that day. Paul here is excited to stand before God and give an account for all that he has done for Christ. Paul in 2 Timothy is looking forward to the day that he gets to stand before Christ. And maybe you're, you're listening to this podcast today and you think, well, of course Paul is ready for that day. Of course Paul is ready to stand before Jesus because look at all that he accomplished for Christ. And that's correct. But if you look at the life of Paul as he got older, he became more aware of his sinfulness. He writes in Ephesians that he is the least of the saints. He writes in 1 Timothy that he is the chief sinner. And so Paul had seen, had an idea of others standing on this Bema seat. And he's seen the joy as they received an award. And so Paul says, I'm going to be there one day, except the one giving the awards is the living Lord. Paul, I mean, he, he was accompanied with, he understood in those days about games and receiving rewards and Olympic games. And so he was very familiar with the idea of stepping up on a Bema seat. But Paul's idea in 2 Timothy is, I'm not just receiving a trophy. I'm not just receiving some kind of medal. But what I'm receiving is rewards from my Christ 
my Savior, my Redeemer, and he's excited to stand there. But you might be saying, well, of course Paul is excited. I mean, he evangelized cities and nations for the gospel of Christ. He wrote over half of our New Testament. Obviously, he's excited to stand there. But as I said, Paul calls himself the chief sinner, the least of saints. Look at his past. He ran down and tried to uh, oversee the killing and imprisonment of many Christians. And so Paul is excited to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If the judgment seat of Christ was somewhere you're judged on your sin, somewhere that your eternal destiny is sealed and, and determined, Paul would not be excited for that day. But Paul was anticipating and looking forward to the day when he gets to stand before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So as we close today on this podcast, just answering the question, what is the Bema Seat of Christ? I want you to take away a couple of things. Number one, it's not a place where your eternal destiny is determined. The day you placed your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, your eternal destiny was determined, finalized, and sealed that very moment. As we looked last week, you cannot forfeit your salvation. Also, it's not a place where all of your earthly sins are displayed or and forgiven. In fact, you're standing at the Bema Seat of Christ not to be forgiven, but you're standing there because you are forgiven. But also, let's look that it's a furnace. And so it makes us think about what we're living for right now. So think about that. What's your main goal in life? Is it to wake up in the morning and watch TV? Is it to wake up in the morning and get on your phone? And while those things are not necessarily bad, are we placing different material objects and items and maybe even people in front of our relationship with the Lord? You ought to be standing there today thinking, when I stand before Jesus, I want as many rewards as I can receive. That way I can cast that much more at the feet of Jesus. There's going to be one thing that you will think at the judgment seat of Christ, and I'm sure on this. When you stand before Jesus, you're not judged on your sin. You're not judged on uh, your, your eternal destiny is not determined there. But you're going to stand there, and the only regret you're going to have is I wish I would have done more for Christ. I wish I would have done more for Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking today, well, but look at all these televangelists. Look at all these pastors that have huge churches. Obviously, they're going to get more rewards. The verse says he's impartial in his judgment. He's, it says in verse 17, without respect of persons. So that means the person that has been given much is going to be required more. But right there where you're at, God has given you a ministry. God has given you a testimony. God has given you something that you can do for the cause of Christ, whether you work at a hospital, whether you're in middle school, whether you're in high school, whether you're retired. No matter where you're at, God's given you a ministry and something that you are to work and to do for him. And that very thing is what you're going to be judged on when you stand before him at the Bema Seat of Christ. And also, it's an award ceremony. So the question I have for you today as we close is, what rewards will you receive what does your life show? Has your life really displayed the love of Christ to a lost and dying world? Or has your life just showed what, what can I gain? What can I have while I live here? I've got my fire insurance, but I'm just here to keep having fun and having a great life. But really the great life is the life that's lived serving Jesus. And when you stand before him, you receive crowns, rewards that you can cast back at his feet. So I hope this podcast today was an encouragement to you. I know as I've been studying out this topic for a while now, it's really just 
um, change my whole view. I mean, no longer am I scared to stand before Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day, and that day makes me want to work for him that much more. So, child of God, today, in this podcast, or wherever you're going right now, have your mind made up. Today, I'm working and I'm serving Jesus Christ. Have a great Friday. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.